we just come expressing again today how much we love you, Lord. And we know that we love you because you first loved us. Your kindness has been shown to us over and over again. Your patience with us is unbelievable. Your goodness to us. Lord, we glorify your great name. King Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords and worthy to be praised. Our glory and honor and praises do you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning I hope that you come hungry for more. Hungry for more. We are starting today our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, and, uh, and, and I know it's just kind of funny that we would use the term hungry for more when we're starting our fast. But, uh, but you're willing, when you are so hungry for God, you're willing to lay aside the things of this world. And you're willing to deprive the flesh in order to gain the things of the spirit. And so the greatest, I need you to catch this. I may say it several times, so make sure we get it. The greatest hindrance, the greatest hindrance from getting more of God is thinking you already have it. It's the greatest hindrance. I got all, I got all, all of God, got all I need, maybe even all I want. I'm going to tell you, you can have all you want. You can have all you want. So if you want more, guess what? You can have more. But the greatest hindrance to getting more of God is thinking, I've already got it all. So I need us to understand, no, if you, if you wonder, if you have the thought, is there more? I can already give you the answer. Yep. Yep. There's more. Uh, there's more. And so I, I want to look in Philippians chapter three, verse eight. We're just going to be there for a second. And then we're going to go to the book of Ruth. And so, uh, I'm going to look at verse in Philippians, a ver- verse in Colossians. You don't have to turn there with me if you don't want, but you can find Ruth for me. So Philippians chapter three, verse eight, Paul says, Indeed, I also count all things loss, and he is speaking of his, pra- his past accomplishments and accolades. I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, in some translations, he says, I count all things dung. And we know what dung is. That's doo-doo, all right? That poop. <laughs> he said, all my past accomplishments ain't nothing but poop. He said, I count all that as nothing for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Another passage, he says, oh, that I might know him. He says, I'm willing to lay those things aside, set aside the things of the world, accolades and accomplishments, set them aside, so that I might know him more, so that I might know him more. And we'd say, my goodness, Paul, if anybody knows him, you know him. My goodness, Paul, you had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus himself. Now, remember that, that when the light blinded him on that road and, and, and he had that talk, he was talking to Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus. Have you ever done that? I mean, face-to-face, an audible sound. He hears him with his ears. See, it, it blinds him, the glory of the Lord. And he said, man, I wish I could know him. Paul! 
my goodness. He says, but I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And by the way, it's almost like I don't even care about all those things. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, there's the word, rubbish or dung, that I might gain Christ. Paul, you hadn't gained Christ yet? Another, another translation said that I might win him, that I might win Christ. Paul, if anybody's won Christ, you have. My goodness, he wrote more of the Bible than anybody else. He, he was the, the greatest missionary of all time. This man has taken the gospel. Paul, if anybody knows the Lord and has won Christ, it's got to be you. Paul said, oh, I want more. Amen. He said, I want more. And so just flipping over across the page for me in Colossians 1, 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord being fully pleasing to him. Paul says, I want to be fully pleasing to him. I want to be fully pleasing to him. I want to win Christ. I want to gain him. To gain means more. Paul says, I want more. Turn with me to the book of Ruth. I think the picture we have in the book of Ruth is a prophetic picture of what us Christians today, uh, the pursuit for Christ. I think it's just, it's so, it's such a picture of someone winning Christ. Someone gaining Christ. Someone who wanted and got more. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went in to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. I need to break down verse 1 for you because there's a lot going on there. So during the day of Judges, and that would be the book of Judges, and the book of Judges it says, and Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That was the problem because everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. They had no standard of right, and, and, and the Lord is the standard of right. Even in today's age in which so many people are doing just what's right in their own eyes. And yet that's what was going on in the day of the judges. And because of that, I believe this famine was a result of that. Because there was just wickedness everywhere. Everyone doing their own thing and turning away from the Lord. So in the land of Judah and the city or village of Bethlehem is where Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons lived. Now we're going to use some names today, and I hope that if you if you don't know this story, maybe you can stick with me and, and hang on to these names. Elimelech is the husband, Naomi is the wife, they have two sons. The city is Bethlehem, and the the the, the land of Judea or Judah. The land of Judah, the country of Judah, city of Bethlehem. Judah means praise. Bethlehem means house of bread. That's the names and that's what they mean. Judah means praise. Bethlehem means house of bread. When the bread has run out in the house of bread, they left the praise. Don't you follow with me now? They left. And they go to a place called Moab. When the famine has hit in Judah, praise. And now the bread has run out. Bethlehem, the house of bread, no more bread. They have left praise to go to Moab. The name Moab means fornication. One verse of scripture. There's a lot. I'm telling you, I told you I was going to unpack one verse of scripture. 
One verse of scripture, they left the land of praise because the bread has run out and they went to fornication. The name Moab, Moab was a child from an incestual relationship between Lot and his daughter after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe you remember that. He, he, he has a relation, gets drunk, has a relationship with his, a one night thing with his daughter. She gets pregnant, has a child named Moab. His name means fornication. The land of Moab was a place of idolatry. And so when the bread runs out in Bethlehem, why did it run out? Because everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, not the eyes of the Lord. When the bread run out in Bethlehem, the house of bread, they left the praise. They, they left praise and went to fornication, land of idolatry. Y'all tracking with me? I, don't, I, I wouldn't suggest this. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest this. And so the name of the man was Elimelech. name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab, which, by the way, was against Jewish law. You weren't supposed to take wives from Moab because Moab, the Moabites, were the one who seduced the Israelites and, and, and this was in the day of Balak and Balaam. Maybe you remember the talking doggy. And Balaam said, you need to get your pretty women to talk to their, their, their hairy-legged men. <laughs> I was thinking to use another word. And <laughs> you get your women to seduce their men, and then they will begin worshiping your pagan gods, and then God's hand will be off of them because you, I can't curse them. Yeah. Y'all remember that story. So God said, I will not tolerate you going and in, in, in relationship with the Moabites because they're seductive and they want to lead you into pagan idolatry. Everybody tracking with me? So when the bread runs out in the house of bread, Bethlehem, they quit the praise, went to fornication, and they lived there. And the land of Moab is where young men die. The land of Moab is where youth die. And so they go to the land of Moab, and sure enough, Elimelech dies. And the next thing you know, the two sons die. And then there is Naomi, whose name means pleasant. We're going to come back around to that. There's Naomi left with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Now, as we look at, at these passages of Scripture, look with me in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them what? Bread. Now, is this manna? Is this just bread falling out of heaven again? No, no, but God has rained once again on Judah, and now we have grain once again, and, and, but it says bread, don't it? Just give them bread. Just give them bread. Now, there's a lot of other things you can grow besides wheat and barley and rye. But that's, what, that's the word, because there, you need to understand there's spiritual significance to this. Are you with me? Now there's bread once again in the house of bread, Bethlehem. And yet they left it for a season because the bread had dried up. They had no more, and so they quit praising the Lord, went to the land of fornication, and over there found out death dwells in the land of fornication. Y'all with me? And so they said, here's... Naomi, her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, they said, I understand the Lord's blessing our homeland again. Let's go back to the land of Judah. 
And so they go back to the land of Judah. On the way to the land of Judah, they have a, 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 an, a, an encounter, a, a conflict, maybe not a conflict, conversation on the border. And there they are between Moab and Judah, Israel. And they have this conversation of uh, uh, Naomi with her daughters-in-law and says, you, you girls just go back home. There's no point in you going with me. You can see the bitterness has already set in with Naomi. She says, there's, there's no point in you going with me, girls. You go back to your gods, little g, plural. You go back to your gods, go back to your families. I'm just a mother-in-law. There's no point in you coming with me. I can't have any more kids. And even if I did, would you wait around for one of them to grow up so that you can marry him? It don't make any sense. Go back home. And Orpah does exactly that. Look with me in verse 14. Verse 14. Now remember, they've had this conversation before, but Orpah continues to follow. By the way, Orpah's name means stiff neck. (laughs) Stiff neck. But Ruth's name means friendship. And so as they get to the border, Naomi recognizes, I believe she recognizes in her daughter-in-law that there's still some of Moab in her heart. And she won't be satisfied in the land of praise when she's constantly looking back to Moab. Are you with me? Last Sunday I preached on moving forward and I talked about don't look back. When we look back, there's danger. When, and Jesus said, don't one who lays his hands to the plow and looks back is worthy to be called a disciple. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, you see this business of looking back. And I think Orpah keeps looking back and Naomi says, just go on back home. Go on back home. And so if you look in verse 14, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, which means she left her. She went back. But Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. No wonder her name means friendship. That's a friend. Amen. That's a friend. She said, I'm following you wherever you go, and I'm going to live where you live. I'm going to die where you die. Verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Kind of like when I recognize that my wife is determined to go stock shopping. I just, ain't no no point keep talking. (laughs) <laughs> no point. Just, just let her go. And so this is what it says. She said she was determined to go, so she just stopped speaking. She just stopped speaking. And so there goes Ruth, along with Naomi, verse 19. Now the two of them went in until they had come to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi pleasant? But she said to them, do not call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara, for the Almighty has, very, has, has dealt very bitterly with me. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly. You know, God gets blamed for stuff he don't do all the time. You're the one that left the land of praise. You're the one that went to the land of fornication. You're the one that went over there into the place where youth dies. And you know what I mean by death? I'm talking about spiritual death. When we go over into sexual sin, when we go into playing with things that we ought not be having uh, 
be messing with, then spiritual death happens. Do I mean you lose your salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. But you become, you become insensitive. You become insensitive. You become unresponsive. You become dead in your spirit. And, and, and so that's where they went. And now she experiences death. But she's heard of the goodness of God and says, I want to go back to the goodness of God. The problem is she has become bitter. And man, you know, that can really happen. Your feelings can be very real and very wrong at the same time. Her feelings were, God has dealt bitterly with me. And so verse 21, I went out full. No, you didn't or you wouldn't have left. She went out full. No, sometimes our memory is flawed. She said, oh, it was the good old days when we left here. No, it was the bad. That's why you left. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Maybe she meant her family situation. Maybe she went, uh, she went out with a husband and two sons. But now she's come back with a daughter-in-law. We're going to find out a little bit about that daughter-in-law later on. But I went out full and the Lord has brought me home empty again uh, why do you call me Naomi pleasant since the Lord has testified against me and the almighty has afflicted me? No, sin bears its own consequences. Are you with me? When someone goes to messing around with sin and, and experiences the consequences of sin, do you say, God did this to me? But we sometimes do. I don't know why the Lord's, why the Lord's doing this to me. Well, could be that the choice you made bore its own consequences. And so she comes back blaming God. And God, you know, what does he do? He don't say nothing. Been there, done that. I've experienced in my bitterness blaming God. God, why have you done this? And he just stays quiet. He just lets you get it out. And once you've gotten that putrid garbage out of your soul, you'll realize he's still God and he's still good. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? So in chapter 2, we see that they come back to the land of Judah, the land of praise. And, and uh, we, we, we recognize they have come back to their own property. This is their property. But they left there because the property wasn't productive. And so now they've come back to widow women. And in this culture, in this day and age, this is a hard time. And so in this culture and in this day and age, they, they come back to winter women. Uh, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have uh, WIC. They didn't have Lone Star cards. They didn't have Social Security. What they did have was when the, the people are out harvesting their fields, God had some laws put in place in which you don't harvest the corner of the field. And you don't pick everything off of everything, just strip it bare. That was their social security program. And so those who were hungry but wanted to work could go and they would pick the grain that was left in the fields and, and they would go and do this. And so Ruth tells Naomi, uh, Naomi tells Ruth, uh, go out and glean. That's the word glean the fields. It was during the barley harvest. They were barling, the barley was ripe. They were going and, and reaping the harvest in the fields. And, and, and Naomi says, Ruth, go out and glean the fields, which means go pick up what you can. And so 
she does, and as she does, she goes out into the particular field, and, and as she is in this particular field, gleaning the field, just picking up what she can, uh, she, she catches the eye of the landowner. And he begins to ask questions about their, her, and, and, uh, and look in verse 3, this is kind of funny. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. This is chapter 2, verse 3. And she happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz. She just happened to. Just, I, think the, I think the writer of this book probably had a little grin on their face when they wrote that. She happened to. Just happenstance. No, we know God was directing her back to his goodness. Amen. God was playing out this whole thing just play by play, story by story. And so she goes and gleans in that field. And now look with me in verse 8. And she is there and catches the eye of the landowner. And Boaz uh, asks questions about who is this. They said, this is Ruth. This is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. She has come back from Moab with her mother-in-law. In verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty... Go to the vessel and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people who you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. In the book of Ruth, you'll hear blessings after blessings after blessing. When they came back in the land of praise, the, the women began to bless Naomi and she refused their blessing. I'm too bitter for that. But now you see Boaz blessing Ruth and you'll see Ruth blessing them and all, all the blessings that are coming. And, and, and so uh, Naomi... Uh, Ruth listens to Boaz and says, okay, I'll just, I'll just stay in your field. And, and the next day she could have gone to another field, but, but she just stayed in his field and just continued uh, reaping, uh, the, uh, gleaning those fields. And so that day, that first day that she comes in, she goes home with an ephah of barley. That's verse 17, an ephah of barley. So I've tried to study this a little bit. And, and I know oftentimes we'll see these words. And I'm like, oh, that's a measurement of something over there in that day and time. And let's just move on. But I, I looked into what is an ephah of barley, and that's about five gallons of grain. About five gallons of grain. That's a, that's a good bit of grain. She goes home with about five gallons of grain the first day. She gets home, and Naomi's there and says, so tell me about today. And she said, I went and gleaned in the field. They kept dropping extra grain in front of me. And she said, so I, I, I gleaned all this stuff, and I, I've got more grain. And then we even threshed the grain. And, and the landowner began to speak to me and was very kind to me, and his name was Boaz. And Naomi says, oh, we know Boaz. He's a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer. He is a close relative. And so uh, we understand close relative and he's Texas, but we might not understand kinsman redeemer. But what it is, is of the tribe that they were of, he was one in the tribe who had the right to purchase back property of one who has already died. 
And so, because Elimelech has died, and this man is of the tribe, because land was not supposed to pass from one tribe to another, it was supposed to stay in the same tribe. Now, when we say, in the New King James that I'm reading, when she says he's a close relative, don't get this wrong. Don't get it like we go to family reunions to pick up women, kind of a thing. (laughs) It ain't like that. But he is a kinsman redeemer. He has the right to buy back what has, will be lost because they can't afford to keep up the land of Elimelech. And so she says, the next day she goes back out. And uh, the kindness just continues. And, and so verse 20 of chapter 2, Now Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours. One of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You should stay close by my young men until you have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter in law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman, with his young women, and that the people do not meet you in other fields. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother in law. Chapter 3. Then Naomi, her her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I seek security for you that it may be well well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. She said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor, did according to all her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. This is so interesting. So at the end of the harvest, they would have the winnowing, and it's a party. It's a party. So kind of like if you were uh, uh, getting grapes you bring it all in, and then you have the, the time of the grape mashing, and y'all have seen, you know, uh, uh, Lucy. And <laughs> I know I can say that in this congregation, half of y'all would get it. Next service, nobody would get it. But y'all have seen the episode where Lucy is smashing the grapes and all that. So, <laughs> and it's a big party. It's a big celebration, and so it's the time in which they thresh the grain, and, and, and so they're celebrating because the harvest has come in, and, and, and she said, now tonight, you get, you get a little gussied up, sister girl. You get cleaned up, smelling good, because you know they get a little ripe out there in the field. You put on your best clothes, and I don't know why she had her put on her best clothes, because nobody's going to see them. She says, you go get gussied up. And tonight, when they go celebrate, you just make note where Boaz goes to sleep. And so as Boaz goes to sleep, he goes to sleep at the end of the grain. She makes notice of it. As the sun sets, everything gets dark, the lights are put out, and it's quiet because all have gone to sleep because they've been working hard. She slips in over there at Boaz's feet, lays down at, her feet, at his feet, and uncovers his feet. Let's keep reading. Now it happened, verse 8, 
Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet. That would do it. <laughs> and he said, who are you? So she, said, she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Now, why did he have to say, who are you? He knows Ruth. He's had, he's had conversations with her already. It's dark. I need you all to understand, it's dark. Why has this conversation not happened already? The, the, the advice of the mother-in-law says this needs to be a private conversation because you're going to have a talk with the man to see if he truly wants to be your redeemer. And so in the dark of the night, uncover his feet so he's going to wake up from that. My feet get cold. And so as he wakes up, there's this woman laying at his feet. He says, who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing for you are a close relative. She begins asking him. So Now, let's just back up for a second. We're going to land this plane here pretty quick, but let's just back up for a second. Boaz has pro- protected her. Boaz has provided for her. And in fact, after this night, he sends her home with six ephahs of grain. If you look in verse 15... Also bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went and he laid it on her, boy. She, he laid it on her. <laughs> and she went into the city. Because I'm telling you, as people in the country, we know what five gallons is. Don't we? A five-gallon bucket. So if an ephah is five gallons, I ain't real good at ciphering, but five times six is 30 gallons of barley. I don't know how heavy a gallon of barley is, but here's old gal toting 30 gallons of barley. This is more than provision. This is prosperity. Are you with me? But she was not satisfied with the blessings of Boaz. She wanted more. Are you with me? Please do not mistake the resources from God as a relationship with God. Don't mistake the two. Because there are many who have been blessed by the Lord. He has blessed them financially. He's blessed them in health. He's blessed them this way and that way and the other. And they say, this must be the evidence that I am good with God. But please don't mistake the, re- the re- resources from God as a relationship with God. And Ruth didn't. She's like, I'm not married to that man. He owes me nothing. I want more. So she asked him for a relationship, and you say, well, that's pretty bold. But God says, you can be bold with me. You can be bold with me. And we can go into him in the throne of grace and approach him with boldness, he said. And so, sure enough, Boaz goes through the process of saying, uh, there is one who is actually a closer relative to you that could legally buy the land, and, and with the land comes Ruth. And so let's go to the city gates and let's see if we can get this settled. So he goes to the city gates and he, he offers this relative, here's an opportunity for you if you want it. And the man says, yeah, I want, I'd, I'd like to have that land. He said, but it comes with Ruth. Comes with a woman. He said, well, I don't need another woman. <laughs> I was leaving it at that. All right, well. And so he said, uh, he said, Boaz, go, you go ahead. You go ahead and redeem. And you do know what that word redeem means, don't you? It means that which has been lost has been bought back. 
So when the bread drew, when the bread dried up, and the house of bread, and the praise ended in the land of praise, they went over to fornication and found death there. And then they got news of, oh, the Lord has revisited the land of praise. I want to go back to the land of praise, and I'm back bitter. But then all of a sudden, the Lord just continues to show his goodness to me over and over and over again. Maybe you've been going to a house of bread. Maybe you've been going to a house of bread. Maybe even this house, but, but you've been going home, going home empty. Because the greatest hindrance to getting more from God is thinking you already have it all. But you've gone home empty, and yet the bitterness is beginning to set in because this is not what you thought Christianity would be. But you've been going to a house of bread, and now you've heard that, no, the Lord has visited Sand Springs. And he has. I think he's just getting started. And you've come back to see, can I get some bread? Can I get some bread? And the Lord is going to continue to pour out his goodness on you. But don't mistake his resources for his relationship. You need to say, I, I want more. I want more. I don't, I'm not just wanting more from God. I'm wanting more of God. Amen. I don't just want more from God. I want more of God. And so, lo and behold, it all works out dinkly. <laughs> As the Lord has orchestrated it, it works out, and Ruth and Boaz get married. They have a son, who they name him Obed. Well, that's a good, I don't know why y'all don't name y'all's kids Obed. Why didn't I name my kid Obed? Because my kid would hate me if I named him Obed. Do you know what Obed means? It means a worshiper. It means a worshiper. They say they move from a land of worship to now we are worshipers. We are worshipers. Amen. And what comes from it all is that now Ruth and Boaz are the great grandparents of King David. Man, ain't God cool? God is awesome. The greatest hindrance to getting more from God is thinking you already have it. May we continue to pursue God and say, no, I don't. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for even prospering me. Lord, I just want more of you. I want more of you. And I'm willing to lay aside the things of this world in order that I might get to gain Christ. That I might gain Christ. That I might win him. That, that your heart, oh God, would turn towards me. Because David... The great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz, you know what God said about him? He's a man after my own heart. I want to be a man after his own heart. How about you? I want everything else, all the other stuff, it can, I can just leave it behind that I might gain Christ. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, we thank you. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance, says in the book of Romans. And you are so kind. You are so good. Even when we were lost, you continued to be so good. You continued to be so patient. You continued to be so kind. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that 
when we walked away because your stuff wasn't coming, when we walked away because we were disappointed in what we were experiencing, and we stepped away from you for a season, and, and it, wasn't the, it wasn't that you left us, it's that we left you, and, and we went into an area of compromise. We went into areas, whatever it may be. It, we all have our own testimony. But you continued to show your kindness. You continued to be good. And we've heard, heard news. Oh, no, God still, he still pours out blessings. Oh, no, God still speaks. God still works. God still moves on behalf of his people. There is still bread from heaven for all those who want it. For all those who want more. Yes, there is more. It's yours for the taking if you want it. Father, I pray that this morning we would have a true desire in our heart to want more of you, not just more from you. For you have told us, blessed are those who hunger, thirst. They shall be filled. Thank you, God. We're hungry for more of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.